Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey everyone, welcome to the Heart of Hype podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Shamar Charles. This podcast focuses on the goal of providing unique and culturally sensitive perspectives on physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health and wellness. Our goal is to provide you with the best millennial and Gen Z health news you can use. If you like this podcast, follow us on Instagram at hwhthepodcast and give us a rating of five stars on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. Now, without further delay, let's get started. Hey y'all, today I'm hitting y'all with the topic, no frills. We're talking about love. And I'm talking about love, love. Not that Valentine's Day love, not that Hallmark celebration, but I'm talking about normal everyday love. That sitting on the couch listening to Teddy Pendergrass love TKO or Smokey Robinson's Quiet Storm type love. Last week was Valentine's Day, so I took some time to reflect on the holiday. And what I got from it was that I really just love to love the people around me and I just love to appreciate them as much as I can. For me, loving is as natural as breathing and for good reason. See, research shows that love offers a whole lot of specific and tangible health benefits like it lowers your blood pressure, it reduces your anxiety, you're not in as much pain, you live a longer life. But love just makes you happy. And we all know that dopamine rush that we feel when you first fall in love. Some people call it butterflies, but I just have a head rush. And we've all heard the term happy wife, happy life. I'm not sure if that's true, but what I can tell you is that the data does support that those who are married in love live a longer life, that they tend to have better access to health care, that they enjoy a more satisfying sex life and they have lower rates of heart disease and diabetes and depression. So why is love good for us? Why do we crave it so much? And how can we navigate this weird pandemic dating world to get some of these health benefits? Well, to help break this down with us today, we have with us Stacey Pates, an international television host, sideline reporter, podcast host, an executive producer, and also the author of an amazing dating book that she will tell you all about. Stacey's amazing. She's hosted and reported for NBC, ESPN, TNT, NBA TV, and currently she's a host for Fox and CBS. She's been doing this for over 25 years, and she also has a new women's sports apparel line called Pace Clothing Company, as if she doesn't do enough already, that will be made available worldwide next month. But throughout her thousands and thousands of interviews, the topic of love and dating has come up a lot. And so we're here to pick her brain and see what she's learned. So thank you so much for being here with us today, Stacey. Tell us, what have you learned? Oh, and don't forget to mention the name of the book and what this book is all about, because that's pretty important. <laughs> the name of the book is called Blocked. It's an unobstructed narrative of the uh, of dating the undesirable. And it's funny because Blocked is been a joke with my closest friends and my family for a long time because... I don't mess around. Like if a guy shows me himself and he's not a good person, if he, you know, crosses a line or, you know, just shows a side of himself that's not part of what I want in my energy, I will block him. If, if he's on my phone, I will block him. So he cannot call me or text me anymore. So I do not play around. And then, uh, so that was the, the premise of the book um, is to just have that title because it so resonated with exactly the reason that, that I wrote it. 
Um, and then the unobstructive, uh, unobstructed narrative of dating the undesirable. Unobstructed, the synonym to that is unblocked, which I just thought was funny. So it's a very candid, open, honest, uh, non-fictional laugh, maybe pee your pants a little bit in some stories kind of thing. So um, I yeah. want people to buy the book, so don't give everything away, but give us a little bit of a sneak peek. What's your best date and what's your worst date? Um, none of the best dates are in this book. These are all like disaster stories, hilarious stories, like can't believe this is happening type stories. Like I'm going to tell you later this story, but we need to crack a bottle of wine because you're not going to believe what went down tonight stories. Um, so I'll start with my, my favorite one. This is not in the book. Um, I was uh, working for ESPN and I was doing a press junket um, for, do you remember the movie, Remember the Titans? the football movie. So I was able to sit down and talk to Denzel Washington, best day of my life. Um, so I was in New York on a press junction and a, a, a gentleman that I had met who also worked at ESPN lived in that area. And we had met a couple of times. He was a really sweet guy. I wasn't instantly attracted to him physically, but he was very kind and I could tell he had a good heart. So spending time with him was a no brainer. If I had time, sure. If he invited me to dinner, I was going to say yes. We had a lot of things in common. Well, he invited me to dinner since I was already already in New York. And not only did he take me to the best Italian restaurant in New York, he also took me um, on a helicopter ride around the city. And just knowing that he put so much thought and effort, it was very, very sweet. And that was one that I will never forget. We ended up not dating uh, because he took a job in another country and I was just not, um, we didn't have enough time to get to know each other before he moved. And then um, I was just not in a place. I, I was heavy into my career and I didn't feel like following anyone across the world. Right. Um, but that was wonderful. That was a lovely date. Um, one for the, one for the memory banks for sure. And my worst date, this is one um, that's in the book. Um, and it's only the worst because it did not have the ending that I expected it to have. Um, it was a gentleman that I had dated first and he was so great, but the timing was off. He was ready to get serious. I was not, um, gorgeous man, sweet man, had his own business, made me laugh. We really clicked, everything connected. So it, when it ended, I didn't do a great job of ending it. I kind of was just like, Hey, you're great, but this is not right for me. So we parted ways. Flash forward four years later. Um, I reach out to him because I'm like, you know what? I didn't handle that well. Like I wasn't bad, but I didn't handle it in a top shelf kind of way, the way I wanted to. So I reached out to him and I just said, Hey, I, I just want to tell you, you never did anything wrong. You were so good to me. So sweet to me. It just wasn't the right time. And he was, he was kind, but he was abrupt. He said, well, I'm dating someone right now. And I said, okay, you know, much respect. I, I hope that works out for you. And, and that was the end of the conversation. And he appreciated that I called to say that. Flash forward another year, uh, and he calls me and asks me to meet him for dinner. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And this time I'm ready. Like, I'm ready to settle down. And I feel like, like reconnecting with him is going to be great. So I accept the dinner invitation. He takes me to the place we used to go all the time. It was our favorite Japanese steakhouse. It was so great. And he, perfect gentleman the whole time. And he, but there was a little bit, you could tell he was holding something back. So... <laughs> Um, he says, there's something I want to share with you. And I said, okay, great. He's like, you know, I will always love you. And I said, thank, thank you. I'll always love you too. 
And then he got silent and I'm like, okay, like what's, what's happening. My first thought was maybe he got engaged and he felt like for some reason he needed to tell me to my face. I don't know. But then I'm like, no, that's not it. And then I started wondering, okay, is, is like, could he be, could he be gay? And if he is full support, you know, I, he's definitely not going to lose me as a friend. Um, and that didn't come out of his mouth either. He says, um, I will always love you, Stacy, but I can never, ever talk to you or see you or communicate with you ever again after. Whoa. After so you got blocked. Oh, I did. In the worst way. In the worst way. He's like, I can never talk to you ever again. And I say in the worst way, but it's going to end good because it's, it was a, a journey, a choice that he made for his life. Um, so I'm waiting for him to tell me what's going on, what's going on. He says, I'm becoming a priest. I'm selling all of my items. I'm taking the vow and I'm becoming a priest. Nothing I can do about that. No argument from me there. So yeah, that was the story where I got blocked. So that was kind of a funny turn of events that I had to put in the book because I'm like, here I am blocking everybody. And this man, even though it wasn't in a, a way of, of being like, I did something wrong or, you know, anything like that. He was just like, I can't be, I can't even own a cell phone from this day forward. <laughs> so when it came out of his mouth that he was becoming a priest, I think I was literally about to take a bite of something. I'm like, oh, okay. Man, believe it or not, so many people are going to be able to resonate with this story because we all know that we have that one person got away. who got away, the one that got away. What are some of those qualities that you look for uh, in someone, especially the ones yeah. that you've seen in, in those who have maybe gotten away? Oh, man, I'm, I'm a real simple girl. You know, just do what you say that you're going to do. And if you can't get it done, there's grace in that. I'm not going to get mad. I'm not going to get upset. If you say you're going to, you know, show up at a certain time, things come up. You know, just let me know. No big deal. No love lost. Do what you say you're going to do. Um, core values are a big thing for me. Uh, character is a massive thing for me. Um, they have to be a man of character. They have to be a man who's respectful. And I mean to everyone. Again, we can all have bad days. We can all, you know, maybe lose our temper at times in certain situations. There's grace depending on what that temper might have looked like on, on, on their part. But what I'm saying is, the way they talk to people, the way they treat people, the respect level, you know someone's character by the way they treat people. Uh, family oriented. Uh, I love someone who, you know, is, finds family important because my family is the closest thing to me. Uh, my brother's my best friend. My mother's my best friend. So, um, and I don't expect him to have the same depth of relationship that I do, but knowing that the importance of that relationship exists and that he sees the value in friendships with your siblings and, and admiring your parents and loving your parents, or at least having a relationship with your parents. Um, and in terms of, of attraction, um, I'm attracted to athletic men because I'm athletic. So it's important to me that to have that, uh, that alignment in things that we like to do. Um, I don't expect him to play volleyball with me if he's never played before. Um, but you know, just to have some fun things to do that we like to do together. So an athletic man is important to me. Um, a tall man, because I'm tall and I like to wear heels. So that's important to me. Um, but I also recognize that if I happen to fall in love with a man who's all of those things, but a little shorter, I'm not going to let that be a deal breaker if he's all of those important things. 
I'm not going to give my heels up, but I will, you know, that would not be a deal breaker for me. So the core, the core values, the communication, the honesty, communication is a big deal. Um, emotional intelligence is a big deal. And someone who's constantly just working on themselves. You know, I don't want a man that just is like, oh, this is how I am. So just be okay with it. No, like there's certain things. I mean, yeah, your, your eyes are brown. I'm definitely okay with that. But, you know, don't just sit there and say, well, I can't finish that because I don't finish anything. <laughs> oh, no, no, we're not going to play that game. Sheesh, not wanting to play no games. I think there are a lot of people who are going to feel that phrase deeply. Um, but I also think that there are other people who are going to think, man, you know what? I got to be a little bit more open. I got to give some people some chance. You talked about short man. I'm a short man. I know that people would categorically say, I don't ever want to be with a Shamar ever in my life. Uh, I think that that is even more prevalent now that we are in the online dating culture season, whatever you want to call it, right? Online dating has really taken over the dating scene. What are your thoughts on that, right? Some people love dating online dating some people hate online dating one of the things that i know about online dating is that it definitely cuts through the fluff so what are your thoughts on online dating i resisted online dating for years i had friends tell me that's just how people are doing it these days because you're exactly right i'm old school i would love to be courted i would love to meet someone organically um you know not not because i swiped left or is it right? I don't even know anymore which way is the good way. Um, I think I swiped so many times the wrong way that I got them confused. Um, but I find that dating apps, in my experience, I've, I've got friends that have had success on dating apps, um, which is great and it makes me so excited. But my experience, while I had a couple of good dates, um, I just wasn't attracted to them at the end of the day, but the dates were nice um, and they were polite and they were gentlemanly. But ultimately what I found is it's almost like people are on dating apps to have a text conversation only. Like there's no, there's no phone calls. There's no follow through. And it's the craziest thing. Even during the pandemic, um, I was on a dating app briefly during the pandemic. And there's a gentleman that doesn't even live far from where I live. And we had set up to go for a walk. We were going to go for a walk. He even texted me. Um, the day before, Hey, is four o'clock still good for you? Yep. Great. On that day, he never called, Like he didn't stand me up because I never left my house, but he never called to confirm or text to confirm where we were going to meet to take our walk. And I find that that is more, um, common than, than anything. So many people that I talk to get ghosted. So many people that I talk to that have been on dating apps, the people are not who they say they are not catfishing per se, but they claim to, Oh yeah, I'm very outgoing. I would love to meet you. Let's make this happen. And at the end of the day, no effort, no follow through. And even pre pandemic, it's like, just because they match with you, that almost gives them enough confidence to where they're like, okay, cool. And I get it. A lot of these men and women have matched with so many people that they, you know, maybe they don't pay enough attention to the one person or get to know anybody well enough because they've matched with so many daggone people. So that's what makes it challenging too. And all that being said, people have had success. And I do believe that they do work for some people, but for me, not, not a thing. Stace, I don't want to act like Dr. Love Charles, but I'm going to act like Dr. Love Charles here, right? I think one of the things that we have to keep in mind is that we do live in a little bit of a microwave culture. 
things warm up really quickly and they cool down just as fast, if not even faster. And I think that we are inundated by so much stimuli, especially visual stimuli, that I don't think it should be surprising to anybody that people would have a little bit of a fear of commitment. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. It's definitely a microwave culture. And and when I think about it too, it's also such a hookup culture. And I am not a hookup girl. That has never been my thing ever at any age. And to be a romantic in a a hookup culture is a special kind of hell because it's just, I don't fit in. I don't fit in to any of that because I'm, and those are the guys that get themselves blocked super quick is when they start asking me for certain photos. I'm like, no, I shared the photos I wanted to share on the site. That's, that's what you get to see. I don't know you. Or when they send me pictures without their shirts on, I don't need, you may look good, but I don't need that. And again, I don't even know your last name and you're sending me half naked photos. That says to me that you're not trying to get to know me as a human. You're already 13 steps ahead. And, and by the way, I've already blocked you. So keep walking. Um, Cause I just don't respond to that. Like the respect level that we as women receive, I think on a daily basis um, gets even more minimized when you're reduced to a name on a screen, when you're reduced to um, filters on an app that you can put certain pictures on. Um, It's a huge pet peeve of mine too, just speaking of apps. And I know a lot of your listeners will relate um, when um, men or women have hats down or huge sunglasses on in all of their pictures. Like I can't see your face. I don't, I don't know what you look like. Like, and, and it is about physical attraction on apps because that's the first thing you see. And so that's what I will, that's how I started when I was on apps, I would be like, Oh, is he, does he look like my type? Okay. Then I'll read his bio. And if we have things in alignment in his bio, then I'll, I'll, I'll see if we have a match or, they're on the reverse side. I see a man, he looks good. I read his bio and I'm like, Oh, he's a smoker and he doesn't like dogs. Okay. Not interested. And that's okay. No love lost. I don't even know you. You don't even know me swipe, keep it moving. Um, but, but to live in a culture that people have so much on the menu, as you said, the non committing approach is so prevalent. And I live in Los Angeles and I genuinely thought, and I'm from Indiana, but I genuinely thought when I moved to LA, it would be easier to meet men by virtue of the population. I just thought it would be easier, but it's so different here too. And everyone I've talked to say the same thing in this city, especially they say there's something weird about LA. And as I think about it, it makes sense because, you know, let's say, you meet someone, but they don't like your favorite. They don't like the Dodgers. Like, let's just use all LA, you know, for, for a second, you meet someone, they don't like the, the person that you meet, they don't like the Dodgers. Well, you can just go ahead and move on right then. You can just swipe left, keep it moving. So it doesn't allow anyone to really get to know each other. And in this city and in the culture that we're operating in right now, people are just so quick to move on because there's so many fish in the sea, so many fish in the sea, so many women in the city, so many men in the city. Um, But if you want substance, it takes a little time and it takes effort. Pick up the phone, make a plan, follow through on that plan, get to know the person. And that's important to me. So Stacey, you just hit on expectations and you know how big of a trigger word that is for me. Because I think that having expectations and being on the same page is so incredibly important. 
But I do think that sometimes when we think about expectations, we're thinking about the external more than we're thinking about the internal. And I always tell all my family and friends that the better you know yourself, the better you can be for your partner. One way that we can get to that we can get to know ourselves is by knowing our five love languages. And so for all of you who are listening, the five love languages are affirmation, quality time, receiving gifts, acts of service, and physical touch. And most of us fall into at least one of these categories. But I will say that there is a tremendous amount of overlap here. Stacey, my question for you is this. What is your love language? And how important do you think knowing your love language is to successful dating? I love that you know about love languages. I wish everybody knew about them, whether you're in a relationship or not. Uh, And we all have a piece of a little bit of all of those love languages. Um, But my primary love language is words of affirmation. It's, those are very important to me. Um, I don't need someone to tell me, oh my gosh, you're so smart. You're so pretty every single day. I don't, I don't need that kind of it, but words of affirmation is so valuable and so important. And that's what resonates with me the most. I think it's crucial to understand what your partners, what yours are, especially, and what your partners are. Uh, But the most important piece is when you know those operate in those. For instance, if I'm dating a man and acts of service is his love language, that's not mine. But if I know that by, by, let's say, making his lunch, that act of service, making his lunch every day before he goes to the office, I will do that because that's his love language. And it's important that you know your partner's love language. And it's important that you know your own so that you can express that to the person that you're close to, that you're dating, that you are getting to know. Um, because if they don't, you don't know what you don't know. And if they, if they know how to love you the right way and you feel loved, I just think that there's a trickle down effect there. So let's switch gears here for a minute. Let's talk about social media and its intersection with dating. I think that social media and dating are a good thing, right? They're almost synonymous with one another. In many ways, social media has actually expanded the dating horizon. More people are meeting one another in ways that they would have never imagined in the past. But I also think that social media has also created a type of tension uh, in relationships that didn't exist before right? Uh, There's an expectation that people have to post their partners. There's an expectation that uh, there needs to be sort of reciprocal attention uh, that needs to be uh, exhibited on social media. One thing that I've actually seen is I've seen that there are people who uh, post their partners incessantly. I've also seen that there are people who leave out their partners and they actually snap photos of their food and They act as if they're on a date by themselves. I've even seen retaliatory messages from their partners and how upset they are that they're actually being left out. I'm not quite sure how important that is, but these are the things that I'm seeing. What are your thoughts on that? What are your thoughts on social media being used as a tool to create whatever narrative you want and some of the mixed messages that could be sent on the mediums? I think that that is devastating to the person on the other side, because if you are in a relating a relationship and and I I have two examples in my life right now, a gentleman and a young woman who respectively were dating, you know, their people. And the guy was never posting about this girl. 
Like they were, they would travel together. They would see each other. They would hang. He would never post about this girl. Um, sorry, there was a little bug there. Um, never would he post about her. And at one point she, she asked him like, well, aren't you proud of me? Why, why wouldn't you post about me? And he made up some lame excuse, unfortunately. But what that says to me is he's not that into you. Otherwise he'd be posting about you. And this is not someone that's just been on one or two dates. This is a six month relationship. Even though he wasn't seeing anybody else, he didn't want other women to see that he was with a woman just in case, right? Just in case someone saw that story. And I have a big problem with that. I have a big problem with that. And then on the reverse side, I have a girlfriend that was doing it to a guy that she was seeing again, also seeing him, you know, exclusively. And she wasn't posting about him. And he was, he was always posting about her. Like she's, she was okay to be shown up on his page, but he would never be seen on hers. And I asked her about it one time, you know, you spend a lot of time with this guy and you're always showing up on his page and he's very supportive of you. Why don't you do the same thing? And she was just kind of like, well, I mean, I don't know where it's going. Then express to that, you know, give that person an opportunity to operate in the knowledge and move on if they need to, or, you know, let the person go or get to know them more. But I just find with social media that sends such a message. If you're in a serious relationship and the person's not posting about you, that to me sounds like he's, he doesn't want them to know about you. And to me, that's a big red flag. If I'm playing devil's advocate, I can honestly say that I'm not really sure if I agree with that. I don't know how important it is that we post our partner and we post things about our life together. I think that this is really a new age thing. And I think that uh, I don't want to diminish it or I don't want to minimize it and say that it's not important. But I will definitely say that there are many, many people who have been in relationships for a long time from an older generation with much lower divorce rates that didn't have these problems. What are your thoughts on that? That is a great question. I'm glad that you that you brought it back around um, because like you, I'm very private. And when I do start dating someone, um, I, I mean, I'm sure he'll show up on my Instagram at some point, but it's not going to be every single video, every single thing. Hey, look at us. Hey, look what we're doing. Hey, look at all these great things. I think there's value in it just out of respect for your partner and you're sharing a part of your life. Um, you're choosing to share a part of that life with your followers, with your viewers. Um, but I don't think it's a necessary. And I think that, that each relationship, I think it's very situational. I think, you know, if, if partner A says, I really want to keep that part of our lives private, and partner B is like, okay, at least I know where we stand and I can, I can understand that and support that. Let's say partner B is like, you know, I kind of feel like I'm not as loved or as important if you don't even talk about me on your social media. Okay, well, that gives the other partner an opportunity to address that. So I think it's an important conversation. And the fact that we even have to have a conversation about that is a bit crazy, right? Like people get divorced over or break up in long-term relationships over media posts or worse why did she like your picture why did he like your picture me I, I just feel like social media really um kind of takes the beauty out of it's it's the beauty and despair of dating you know you you post it to to share people share with people that you're happy but then the despair that it could really bring trauma into some relationships for different reasons 
communication is key, right? That seems to be a value that will never, ever, ever, ever change. Uh, and one of the things that I think about is how I've learned to communicate. And one way that I've done that is by looking at my parents, looking at their communication styles and some of the conversations they have. And I love it. They seem to do so many things right. So my question to you is this, who do you model your relationships after? I certainly model my relationships after my parents. Who do you look to for relationship guidance? Yes, I have a few. Um, I'm, I'm very blessed to have some really cool uncles. Um, and of course, I love all my aunts too. And my uncles are the type of men that embody what makes a great man. They're hard workers. They love their families so much. They show up for their families. They're supportive. Um, they're just good, solid, salt of the earth kind of men. And to see them, and they've all been married for, gosh, decades and decades. So it's beautiful to see that too. Um, my parents divorced when I was a teenager. And um, just to see how beautiful and that you can, you can have long relationships and have them be successful. Nothing's perfect. I used to think when I was younger, I used to think that I could have the perfect relationship and we would never fight. But as I've grown, that's so um, fairy tale Hollywood nonsense. You can have heated, heated discussions. They don't have to be fights. You can have heated discussions. There's no such thing as a perfect relationship, but I do believe in strong relationships. And I'm thankful and grateful that I have a few of those to look up to. It, it really blesses me. And to see uh, a lot of my friends, their parents have been married for many, many years, 40, 50, 60 years. And that's really cool to see. And I love asking people, even perfect strangers, how do y'all make it work? Like, what is it you've been married for 60 years? Why? Did it last like so? And they're still holding hands. Like that's the most beautiful thing ever when you see people in their, in their late seventies and they're still holding hands. And I have to ask them, how are you still in love? How is this still the one that you can't wait to get home to? How do you make this work? And everybody says we communicate. It always goes back to we communicate. There's that word again, communication. It always boils down to good communication, right? But you also mentioned divorce, and I could only imagine how traumatic a divorce could be, especially on a young person. It's not the only trauma that people deal with. Uh, there's interpersonal violence, there's sexual assault, rape, molestation, etc. And there's also just being surrounded by broken homes, broken families, broken relationships, just sort of that chronic relationships never last energy. Uh, I have friends of mine who are over the age of 30, over the age of 35, some even over the age of 40, who have never, ever been to a wedding. And I think that that uh, directly impacts their ability to really um, cultivate and appreciate long-term relationship building. Uh, do you think that those traumas have an impact on one's ability to cultivate long-term relationships? I think it affects long-term because they don't talk about it. We're not taught to talk about it. We don't learn to talk about it. And I wish they taught that in school. I wish they taught emotional intelligence. I wish they taught how to uh, effectively, efficiently um, heal from trauma. But these, it's a lot of times it's, it's hit and miss. It's trial and error. A lot of times the pattern is just continued. You know, if, if, a, if, uh, if a child sees their parents and they're always fighting, always fighting, always fighting, and then they get a divorce, 
that kid thinks that's normal. That kid thinks, oh, that's how marriage is supposed to be. So they grow up subconsciously mistreating their partners because, oh, well, that's what it was like in my house. Or marriages aren't supposed to last. Or worse, I'm never going to get married because it didn't work out for my parents, so it will never work out for me. It's a conversation that is so crucial and needs to be had. But a lot of people don't know who to talk to about it. They don't know how to get the proper care when they have been traumatized because you don't just go to your primary care doctor and say, Hey, I mean, you do, if you want, if you want, um, Zoloft or something, but there, that doesn't get you to the core wound of the trauma. And as we started our conversation in this podcast, love is the most important element that any of us can ever experience on this earth. When we're traumatized, that love takes a hit because for some reason that child of divorce feels perhaps, what did, did I do something wrong? Could I have been a better kid? Could I have made them stay together? Or the blame of a rape victim. How did I let that happen to me? How could I have ever been so stupid? How did I let that happen to me? And it's that trauma that goes ignored because for me, I've always been a figure it out kind of person. No guts, no glory, muscle through. But as I started learning some of the things that I went through as a child and even as an adult were trauma, it wasn't just a bad situation. It was traumatic. And when I learned to do that emotional work and that, that pulling out of those roots of the trauma, it allows me to see love differently. It allows me to experience love differently. I spent so much of my life believing I wasn't lovable. I wasn't worthy of being loved because I had unhealed trauma. And I didn't know it was unhealed trauma. I just thought I was unlovable and I was unworthy of love because of things that I had been through, experienced, seen, heard, witnessed. When I was able to address that trauma, it allowed me to look at love in a different way. And I feel more open to it. I used to be scared of it. I used to be, I'm not afraid of commitment, but I was afraid of being on the side of vulnerability because the moment I let my guard down and the man gets to know me more in an intimate way, then he can hurt me. And that was my big issue for many, many, many years of my life and doing work and understanding what love really means. I used to get really pissed off when people would say, well, unless you love someone, unless you love yourself, you can't love someone else. I used to get pissed at that comment because I'm like, hold on a second. I love people really well. I know how to love. But as I got older and I sat, sat with that for a while, it's so true. Because if I don't love myself first and in a very deep way, the love that I give might be pure and genuine, but they will never get the true depth of me because I don't love myself enough to trust that they're going to receive that love, accept that love, give me that love in return. And that could cause pain. And we as humans also love to avoid pain. So it all, it all comes full circle. And I think that if you can heal your trauma and let love in and allow yourself to feel it on a different level, there's, it's, there's such a gift in that. And there's such a safety in that. Safety is very important to me. And I've never dated any man that made me truly feel safe. And, I, and that goes back also to 
the, the fear and the feeling of unworthiness and not recognize what love really was meant to look like. You're such a good person and an accomplished individual. How do you begin to get past some of your fears and break down your walls and really open up yourself to the love that I know you deserve? Thank you for all your kind words. I, it's a journey. I, I didn't realize just how guarded I was. Um, I've spent a lot of my life in singleness and it's easy um, to not worry about that aspect of your life when you're so uh, single-minded in a goal. And my goal was always my work, my work, my work, my work. And I would tell myself, yeah, if I met the right man, I would make time for him. But ultimately, that was, that was the fear. That was my protective, my protection mechanism, right? Um, that's, I could just be working all the time, a workaholic. I wouldn't have to worry about falling in love, even though I always wanted to fall in love, even though I always wanted a relationship. Deconstructing it takes time. It takes effort. It takes um, experience. And it's interesting, too, because I'm in a place in my life. My last serious boyfriend, this is so crazy, uh, we broke up 11 years ago, 11 years ago was my last serious relationship. And again, I want a relationship. I would love to be married. I would love to experience all of that. And I'm not willing to settle. A lot of my friends are like, oh, you just haven't met the right guy because you're too picky. No, I, I mean, yes and no, I'm, I'm picky, but I also don't ask for more than what I'm going to give, right? I, I love the 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 ebb and flow of relationships and i um i just i want the mutual acceptance and the mutual attraction and the timing to be right and i am picky i am but i'm also very open to the idea of meeting a good person i just haven't met the right person yet that we jive on all those levels i've heard the term and and you said it as well um people have also told me oh men are just intimidated by you and it breaks my heart to hear that on a couple levels. Um, if, if they're intimidated because of just what I do, then shame on them because they just need to talk to me because once they get to talk to me and, and learn my personality, they'll know that's just a, I love what I do and that's just a super, super great job that I love and I'm so grateful for, but there's so many more layers and it bums me out that, that guys would just automatically assume, oh, well, she's got that job. She would never talk to me because I might've thought you were pretty great. So that's on them. And that's why it breaks my heart because how many missed opportunities, how many times did I miss out on a great guy because of their preconceived notions of my resume, you know, get to know me first and then you can make that judgment. If you get to know me and you don't like me and whatever, that's fine. Um, so that bums me out, you know, when they think and, and be intimidated. But at the other end of the, that spectrum, if a man is intimidated, that also says to me that they're not the man that I want because I need a man to make me feel safe. And if he's intimidated by me or by what I do, how am I going to feel safe with that kind of man? Wow. Beautifully said and incredibly insightful. But we're going to end this on a high note. Everyone has a list. So what is your list? We're going to try to find you a man on HOH the podcast. So let us know, Stacey, what's your list? First of all, you are hired as my wingman. I love it. Um, I, you're right. I do have a list. Actually, I, pr I put together a PowerPoint presentation for you with my list. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just playing. Um, 
the gosh, I, I wish I had it in front of me because it's also evolved. It's evolved over the years because I've kept my list. And when I'm, when I'm telling you, this is no joke, probably about 15 years ago, my list had probably a hundred items on it. Some of them could be easily like mixed and match. Like, okay, that, that could be the same thing. Um, but I would say now it's the value system. It's the Yes, you have to be physically attracted. You're lying to yourself if you say you don't have to be physically attracted. You How important? It's important. It's important. Let me and let me clarify this very clearly. Um, I have been around men who are the some of the most beautiful men I've ever seen in my life. Like drop dead gorgeous, amazing. Wow, right? But they open their mouth, and I'm like, oh, not so cute anymore. And then I've met gentlemen who may not have turned my head the first time, but when I get to know them and I'm talking to them, I'm like, oh my gosh, this man is beautiful. He is gorgeous. He's so smart. And then he becomes like the most gorgeous man I've ever seen because now I know a little bit about his heart and a little, a little bit about his character. So of my list, if I can summarize it the best I can, again, you have to have physical attraction, but that's relative. Um, and that's, you know, and it's personal. Um, you have to have the physical attraction. I like a man to be taller because I'm taller. I like athletic because I'm athletic. So those common commonalities, I, I want a man who makes me feel safe. I want a man who's strong in his, um, in his mental health, in his physical well-being. a man who is strong and knowing who he is and what he has to offer to the world, a man that is not just has a job, but a career, a career that he's proud of. I don't, I don't need, I, I just, it's, it's hard because there's so many different kind of wonderful humans out there that I've met. And if you could, you know, mix and match and make the perfect one, it, that would be, that'd be cool. And I'm sure Elon Musk is coming up with something like that as we speak, but you know, it's the core things. It's the simple things. It's, I want to be able to laugh. I hope he makes me laugh. And he has to love to dance around in the kitchen and be silly together because that's important too. So just the easy things, man, the easy things. I love that. Beautifully said and probably the product of a lot of growth and a lot of evolution there. But as a short man, I know that I don't make a list for, uh, I know I don't make the list rather for a lot of different women out there. So my question to you is this. Did you have anything on your list that was a hardline requirement that is no longer a hardline requirement anymore? I, I get the point that um, a lot of people are so terrified to take that one thing off their list because then they feel like they're settling. For me, my thing was I used to say, oh, I don't want a man that's divorced. I don't want a man that has children like that. Those were two like I don't because I don't want the drama and what was more, I wanted to be the first, like, I don't want to, I don't want to be with a divorced man because I want to be the first, but that has come off my list, uh, several years ago now, because there are marriages that happened when they were young, they married the wrong person. They, it just didn't work out for whatever reason. So no judgment there. And especially the, the older we get, um, the chances of me meeting a man in my age range, that's never been married or at least never engaged is very, very slim. And I love kids. I love kids. So if he's got a kid, I'm not trying to replace the mom, but I will love your child like my own if, if we're meant to be together. So those are things that were at one point huge deal breakers. And now 
Not at all. That's deep. And I'm sure there are so many nuggets just like that that people can find in the book. What did you learn writing the book and why should people read it? The What I learned about writing this book was you can find joy in even the craziest of stories. You can find joy in even the biggest, what is at the time a disappointment, you know, because when we think about dating and we think about love in general, there's one thing that every human has a common ground that they stand on. And that's, we all want love. We all want to be loved. We all want to experience love. And what happens when, especially when you get older is you go on these dates or you try to meet a gentleman or a young lady and if it doesn't, if they don't match your personality, if their viewpoints aren't in alignment, at the end of the day, you are disappointed because you went on that date with intention. Yeah, maybe you found them attractive, maybe you found them funny, you got to know them, maybe they were a friend of a friend, but ultimately you go out with them, you make time to go out with them because you want that connection and you want something to work out. And then I mean, I find myself at, at the end of those experiences, even if it's not a terrible experiences, experience, but if it's not one that I'm like, dang it, I wish we would have connected. I wish we would have clicked. There's that part of me that's like, am I ever going to find the guy? Am I ever going to meet the right one? So what I learned by writing this book was it just, I kept it really light and fun and it allowed me to look back at the few dates that I've been on that were interesting and just to to share laughs with other friends that have had the same experiences and men and women alike that had the same thoughts or like they look at dating and they they get so frustrated or so disappointed and I just wanted this book to bring some joy and some lightness to the pressure that's involved in dating so I learned I learned to laugh a lot more about that and not being so in this pressure cooker of you have to find love and you have to be in love. And as you know, we just, we talked about this a little bit. We just come off Valentine's day and uh, you and I are definitely in alignment with our thought of Valentine's day. I, I don't pay that holiday any attention. I think it's um, for Hallmark and flower shops and candy company. Well, not candy companies cause they do God's work, but I, I don't ever want anyone to feel that just because you do not have a significant other on one calendar day of the year that something is wrong with you. I do not perpetuate that myth. It is incorrect to think that way. You might experience a little bit of loneliness if you see people out and about, but you're not alone. And that is something else that writing this book that I really, I put my heart into it because I want people to know you're not alone. It doesn't matter what you look like, where you come from, what you do for a living. We all want love. And just because you don't have it on that one calendar day of the year, or even on this day, you're still worthy of love and you still are love, lovable, you know? So it was, it was fun. It was fun to write the book. And I just, I learned that um, it can, it can bring joy in the midst of that desire that's not quite been met yet. Stacy, thank you so much for being candid and open and honest. I hope the people who are listening to this took a whole bunch of notes. You dropped so many gems. You are certainly welcome back anytime you'd like. If people are interested in buying the book or learning a little bit more about you, where can they where can they follow you? I appreciate that very much. Thank you for having me. I'd be honored to come back anytime. Um, 
you can find out more about me. I'm on Instagram and Twitter, just at Stacy Pates. Uh, my website is stacypates.com. The book is available on Amazon worldwide and it's called Blocked. Um, I have a link that I can share with you. If you can you put it in your show, might be the easiest way. Um, I've had a couple of friends say they've tried to search it by my name, um, but it's not, I guess there's just some issue with finding it quickly and easily. So I can provide you a link, but some people have found it quickly and easily just on Amazon. So I don't know exactly how it was searched, but yeah. It's a, it's a fun read. It'll make you laugh. It'll also uh, remind you if you've ever been on some really bad dates that you're not alone and maybe your bad date was not as bad as some of the dates that you'll read in this book. Thank you again, Stacey, for being here with us. For those of you who are interested in her book, it is called Blocked, an unobstructed dating narrative about the undesirable. Stacey's last name is spelled P-A-E-T-Z, pronounced Pates. Go out, get it. You will laugh, you will cry, you will enjoy. Thank you again, Stacey, for being here with us. Everyone out there, stay safe, wear a mask, and if you are eligible, get vaccinated. Thank you again for listening. See you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.